0: Welcome to The Honest Reporter, a weekly podcast analyzing media coverage of the Arab-Israeli conflict, anti-Semitism, and radical Islamic terrorism. The condemnation of Kanye West is reaching fever pitch, intensifying after he was banned from Twitter for this anti-Semitic
1: tweet, DEFCON 3 on Jewish people. Now, one of the biggest names in sports facing backlash for spreading anti-Semitism, NBA star Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets shared a link last week on social media to a 2018 film that's been described as anti-Semitic. Here's your host,
2: Rob Walker. It's not unusual to read headlines which say, Israeli soldier shoots Palestinian, but provides no or little context about what was actually taking place. Frequently, news media reports omit key details about dead or injured Palestinians, suggesting that they were civilians when in fact they may have been active combatants. In short, Israeli soldiers are used to getting an unfair and inaccurate story told about them, but a group of Israeli reservists is working to change that. Reservists on Duty is an organization of reservists in the Israeli armed forces who travel the world, showing the true face of Israel in the face of often hostile disinformation. In this week's episode of The Honest Report, we sit down with three members of a Reservists on Duty delegation who recently conducted a three-city tour in Canada, speaking to students and community members about the difference between how Israeli soldiers are portrayed and the reality they face on the ground. Welcome to The Honest Report Podcast. Welcome to the uh, Honest Report podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Great being here. Thank you. Thank you. It's our pleasure. So we have uh, three of you. We have Abby, Eldar, and No uh, Naor. Uh, pardon me. Uh, you've just recently arrived uh, in um, landed in Toronto. You're going to be doing a tour of uh, three cities. You're going to be in Toronto, Winnipeg, and Montreal, uh, representing reservists on duty. So the three of you are reservists in the IDF. That's correct. Right. Right. Correct now um your role is to go ahead and to explain to the public the jewish community you know what life is like uh for israeli soldiers tell
3: us a little bit how you got into this uh field sure yeah uh, so we we all have a a different background of how we got into uh uh reservists on uh, duty i guess i'll i'll begin um i'm originally from uh mexico and then i grew up here in toronto and then served uh, in the IDF as a lone soldier, and I lived the whole reality of living here in Toronto and hearing a bunch of different uh, rhetorics on the news and whatnot, uh, and then going to actually living it. So it was very important for me to uh, tell my reality of what it was to be in the army, uh, the different values that the army has, and really change the, the the real story, you know, the the true story that we we in on a day to day basis. Uh, so that was that's why it's very important for me to join. Uh, all programs that deal with uh, Israel advocacy. Uh, So that's on my end. And uh... I, well, I got into it uh, when I was 16 years old
0: in high school. Um, We had a program in my, uh, in my school, in my high school was called uh, young ambassadors. Um, It was an initiative of uh, a few students. We were high schoolers at that time, and we really saw how Israel is being depicted in the media uh, in a way that not always, uh, I would say, correspond to reality and how these things happen on the ground. And so uh, we this of course, spoke with the, with the uh, principal and everything. And we actually managed to build a nice program of training um, to teach us how to stand in front of a, an audience and learn about the history of, of the Jewish people and the history of Israel, um, and also to be able to explain it to Jews of the diaspora and um, people all over the world. And it began there as a high schooler. And then I continued it in the military. I had a chance to participate in the FIDF delegation. Um, as a soldier um, and share my experiences from, um, from engaging in combat in Operation Protective Edge in the summer of 2014 in Gaza. Um, I had a chance to go to New York and to Connecticut and tell a little bit of my, my, my experience. Um, and then uh, it was simply natural to me. I went to other um, initiatives of, uh, of Hasbara, Israel advocacy, like Stand With Us, and also Meloim in Bachazit. And I had a chance to travel um, to Norway and to Denmark and now this time today to Canada, um, and advocate for this wonderful country and something that is, uh, we're doing it voluntarily and it's simply so, um, so important to us that, um, I don't see myself, uh, in any time doing something else. So,
2: I, I, want to read with, um, I want to read a short snippet from a, a recent news article, um, and I want you to share with me sort of what the media gets wrong uh, when it comes to covering what Israel's doing. So, the headline is, Israeli soldiers shoot dead three Palestinian gunmen in the West Bank. It says, Israeli soldiers shot dead three Palestinian gunmen after they fired at troops in the occupied northern West Bank near Nablus, the army said on Sunday's violence, and the region continued obviously just reading the headline itself you know soldiers kill palestinians how does that make you feel when you know that there's a a much bigger story there it doesn't talk about you know the nature of what these palestinians were doing where they were armed Molotov cocktails firing guns etc what what does that make you feel when you read
3: headlines like that so i would say there's a strong frustration there uh specifically because you know you mentioned it yourself that they're kind of not really addressing the background of what occurred in that scenario. And I'm well aware, because I was also a commander in, in certain, uh, in, in the West Bank in Hebron, uh, that every time you actually go on a a mission or, or even on just a patrol or even guard duty, that ends up being, you know, four or eight hour guard duty posts, there's clear indications of uh, rules of engagement, when to shoot, when not to shoot. So uh, someone has to have a real clear danger that they're coming to attack you or going to attack a citizen in order to actually engage and before you even shoot the individual you also shoot up in the air there's there's a lot of different um rules of engagement that are very very clear for every single soldier um and it's frustrating to not see that in the news because there's a clear reason why it got to the point that it did and not only uh you know the the at at the end you you neutralize the the terrorist but it doesn't actually even label them as terrorists labels it as palestinians and labels it uh killed as opposed to you know, it was defending or whatever the the neutral lines yeah neutralized. The, the nuances in the in the language for the actual titles is also very important and a lot of times that is missed as well because sometimes people only read the title and that's where it could be very difficult and robert i think
0: also the what is lacking is the bigger context we need to understand those people who fired and actually the headline says that itself they were gunned down after they shot at israeli soldiers um israeli soldier operate unfortunately, in a civilian environment. They are forced to go and um, locate those terrorists to hide under civilian um, civilian infrastructure. They use them as human shields, um, not only in Gaza, but also in the West Bank. Um, they operate in a very, very complex area where precision and surgical, I would say, targeting is, is crucial. And um, this is something that a lot of times is not shown. It, it sounds as if they were arbitrary. Arbitrary shootings are going on in the in the West Bank, but those terrorists who hide in civilian houses, who operate from civilian houses, a lot of times they, they hide their, their weapons under their bed or under the bed of their children um, or family. Um, so it, it adds to the complexity and I can, Evan says also as a soldier who, who operated there, um, I admire the courage of those soldiers who go there, who risk their lives because we want to make sure that um, there is no collateral damage, no innocent people will get hurt. And every time a citizen or a person not involved is getting hurt, um, Israel immediately investigates it. And we're trying to do our best to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And um, we have the best judicial systems to do this and um, they commit their um, investigation in the best way possible. And so I would like to see those um, news channels or these headlines uh, being a bit more specific and and giving maybe the, the right context for each and every action that
1: that takes place, and if I may add, it's important to understand that the Palestinians that are doing these uh, terror actions, they have a motive. The Palestinian Authority is using a pay-to-slay method, which means that if a Palestinian hurts a Jew, and nevertheless, if it's a soldier or a civilian, they get paid for it, and if they go to jail or to or get killed while doing this action, their their whole family get paid, and the people. I can't really understand why the Palestinians are so aggressive towards Israel. They don't understand the deep uh, hate and uh, the motives behind these actions. Even while they would be in jail, there's
3: also an opportunity for them to even get a degree in jail. So it's even further,
1: you know, it's, it's a way to get an education as well sometimes. So yeah, it's one of the best ways of, for Palestinians to get income and education. Robert, you know, I think that when
0: you ask a Jewish kid, an Israeli kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? A lot of times the answer you will hear is, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a, a scientist. I want to be a researcher. I want to be a, a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times, if you'll go to the West Bank and if you'll go to Gaza, a lot of times the answer you will hear when asking the same question, Palestinian kids, is I want to be a Shahid. I want to be a martyr by by killing Jews and being uh, being killed in, in the process um, because they are admired, they will name um, sit like um, squares, streets after you, you'll become a hero. Um, your family, as as now and Abi just mentioned, will will receive a payment for their entire lives, and uh, and and you're a you're a hero. So I think this might be also one of the root causes or or the stumbling stones um, to to resolve this conflict.
2: And so things like you mentioned, pay for slay, right? The Palestinian Authority fund that helps to uh, bankroll Palestinian terrorism. These are the kinds of things which are just not covered very much in the news media. When you come to Europe or North America and you're sharing these with uh, students and community members, Let's talk about the ones who are antagonistic. Surely that you've seen people who aren't in a friendly environment, who have come to you and called you baby killers and representatives of an apartheid state, etc. Um, tell us about some of your experiences when you share things like pay for slay, uh, the Palestinian incitement, naming squares after terrorists, etc. How do they respond to that?
3: So a lot of the times, people are oblivious to the fact. Um, and ultimately what we end up doing is we, we end up just showing in, showing them the information uh and there's there's a big sense of shock and uh you're you're bursting a bubble because a lot of times uh these people that are uh come with this perspective very anti and very uh aggressive towards us calling us baby killers like you said and stuff like that they've to in in their eyes they've closed their their judgment on where they stand on the on the topic and if they're closed-minded and where they won't listen then there's less of a bubble burst because they just won't believe what you're saying, even though you're showing facts they'll suit they'll they'll make assumptions or they they'll they'll tell you like, "Oh, that's lies, that's not true, and then you're just getting into a battle of what's true and what's not true, and I could play that game forever, but it ends up being pointless because there's not actually a dialogue going on, and no one's listening so if we ever get to those scenarios, uh it's important to actually just keep uh spreading the truths and 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 not only that, but in that scenario, if there's other people listening. We utilize those people that are very antsy and close-minded as a stage for others to hear us out in the arguments. And it's the the, I think the most important part in that aspect is to remain calm, keep our cool, uh, and be very friendly in the discussion. And uh, I specifically say discussion and not argument, because at the end of the day, people who are around, and even that individual, will see that he might be getting very aggravated and accusing us and etc., but if we keep our cool and, and answer in a factual and commenter, uh, then it, it'll at least be a a warm experience from our end. And even though they don't hear the the facts and, and, and internalize them, uh, it'll still be maybe for the people listening. Uh, and obviously our goal is to, at the end of the day, have that dialogue where someone is open-minded. And there's also been some, there's occasions where people are open-minded and listen and they're like, wow, honestly, I did not know that. And then, I hope that when they get home, they do more research and then they read and and potentially change their mind. Uh, but that's difficult to come by. Um, but you know that's the goal, and it's uh, I think the the key in having that type of dialogue is patience uh, in in hearing someone out. Because when someone is that close minded, if you tell them, okay, let me hear you about why you're so close minded, and then you hear them out, and then you rebuttal every point in a commenter, and uh, you may succeed in, in you know uh, convincing work are showing a different reality that they haven't seen um because it's, it's very important to realize that when people come to conclusions any individual doesn't matter what you're listening to when you come to conclusions it's based on the things that you've heard seen and so they're just not maybe exposed to the right information and that's why they have such a clear and strong emotional connection to their opinion um so it's important to hear them out let them understand that they're heard and we, we understand their their struggle and their pain and even even applaud them for it. It's like, wow, you know what? I, I encourage that you're very involved and, and energetic for the topic. And so am I. But, you know, there's something that you haven't heard. And then that's where we utilize their connection to the topic in our favor to then, with them, so to speak, go deeper into the situation and, and explore different situations that they haven't heard before. Now, what well, you
2: said, obviously, you know, people are are emotional when it comes to the topic of Israel. They're they're driven by a lot of uh, not always facts, but but you know, sometimes in their in their kishkas, so to speak, right, in their in their innards. Um, but that can also, of course, be true for those who are supportive of Israel. So when you go onto, like I said, synagogues and and community groups and uh, and uh, university campuses do you ever meet sort of those who are supportive of Israel, but also can't quite articulate why? Is your part of your role to give people a little bit of meat on the bones so they know that, I, I know that Israel doesn't commit murder and doesn't massacre Palestinians, but gosh, if someone challenged me, I actually couldn't tell you how I know that Israel doesn't do that and Israeli soldiers don't
0: do that. A hundred percent, Robert. And it's also very important for us as, the, as an organization to not only come and speak in universities, you know, to foreigners, but also to Jews and give them also the tools to be able to explain Israel. Now, you don't love Israel just because one of your parents is Israeli or your parents came from Israel or you are a uh, Jew, sympathizes with the uh, idea of a Jewish uh, uh, state in, in the land of Israel. But also, um, you are a part of a community and um, we, it, it is important for us. For example, me and Abi, we, we were on a, on a delegation to Denmark and we met with, with the Danish youth, with Danish Jewish youth, uh, youngsters. Who um, we presented to them a few tools, um, of course, both historical knowledge and uh, also like uh, methods of one-on-one uh, uh, talks to be able to to really explain what's going on in Israel um, and also to to admit. Listen, it is a complicated situation, and you know the the fate of uh, of uh, the country is not going to be on uh, one person's shoulders, but it is important that um, these people who are I see them as well as ambassadors of Israel. Um, the the connection between the Jews. Um, in the state of, of Israel and the Jews of the diaspora is, is unbreakable in my opinion. Never mind what's happening uh, um, abroad or in Israel. Um, of course we're talking about the judicial reforms that's going on now or in times of of, uh, of struggle, in times of war when Israel finds itself in uh, under attack. Um, this is an unbreakable bond. And it is important for us to give those people who are sympathizers of Israel also the ability when they go to school or when they go to university and a lot of times they don't feel, um, let's say, okay with themselves to publicly um, express their opinions uh, among their friends and stuff like that. We want them to feel confident and have the tools and the ability um, to speak and to express their opinion and have also the uh, the knowledge that is needed um, to have a genuine, intelligent conversation about these matters. And
3: it's also, uh, I, I, would, I would add as well, uh, when metaphor that I always present to the Jewish communities or uh, pro-Israel people who, like you said, don't have that uh, capability to sometimes express um, their point of view is when we served in the army, we did our basic training where we did months of training, uh, push-ups, running, and actually knowing how to shoot. And that purpose was to defend Israel on the ground, in the borders. And what I tell them is that they need to do their basic training as well. In our presentation while we may be bringing uh, facts and a lot of history and a lot of information you know a lot of information in our one or two hour talk depending on how much time was allotted to us um, we can give them all the information we, we we could but at the end of the day it's very limited and someone's attention span in that one hour or two hours is gonna fly everywhere uh, during that time so that it, it's very crucial that when we do have these type of presentations to express that, it's on them as well to do this basic training on them and go deeper into the in the in the topic and really be able to then go and and go to honors reports and go to uh, other places uh, other resources that offer the situations and not only that us as resources we always give our instagrams our numbers for people to reach out hey i came across this scenario how can i Address it. So we're always offering ourselves as a, a you know an open book to really ask us questions to be able to then further uh, explore their their rhetoric and their point of view um, because at the end of the day our presentation is is not enough right uh, we always encourage also people to come to Israel um, but it's it's the the key point to to your question is to inspire people to want to be that person to be that representative because ultimately they already are they just have to kind of rise up to that. Uh, position that the rest of society is already holding them up to that standard for being Jews, uh, for being connected to Israel in a small way. Uh, so it's very important for people to, to have that inspiration to really learn more and research more. And so how does one push back against a simplistic message when the reality
2: is a lot more complicated? Right? We talked about the the headline, right, Israel uh, Israeli soldier shoots Palestinian. You have to know more context to, to understand the background, the history, what's taking place, etc. So how do you take a very simplistic message, Israel murders babies, Israel steals land, Israel commits genocide, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, with context? Because by the time you're explaining, people's sort of their attention
3: span has already moved on. How, how do you do that so succinctly? So first, I'll, I'll address that it is difficult, um, but it's also knowing timing-wise, like you said, someone's attention span is is very brief. So what you want to do is first address that something is a lie when it's a flat-out lie and then uh follow it up with the factual uh situation of you know the the spirit of the idf the values that the idf holds so the 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 what i told you about the laws of engagement and you put that in a concise manner of explaining like look this is something uh a lot of pe- times people bring a specific scenario um and then people can always you, you it's it's very important to address that look this specific scenario occurred and honestly it might have it, there there's times that people do make mistakes soldiers might be, make mistakes if that's the case also address that yes that was a mistake and this is how the army dealt with it um and you know it's perfectly uh normal and unfortunate when that happens uh that there might be sometimes mistakes in the uh, in armies and Israel is not the only army that has that but it's addressing it in a concise manner, um, the actual structural mindset of the army and how they are intending to address issues, not specific situations, because uh, it's a very different uh, conversation when you're talking about a specific topic and then the actual, you know, ideal of the entire uh, or, you know, IDF of what their goals and values are. Um, so that's, uh, one approach that I think is a very useful and it's important to, to keep it in a concise manner and, on, and i you really have to analyze how much time you, you have, if you have one-on-one, if it's a group of people, um, it's really having that street smart, uh, awareness to know how much can I actually go in deep or do I just rebut with quick facts and information, uh, because you're being videoed or whatever. So do you actually say something that people can then look up later on? Um, so it's, uh, a lot of it uh, at times has to do with the, the street smarts, but it's the deeper you can go with an individual one-on-one or with a group, the better, but you don't always have that time.
1: And we also explain them that uh, ins- uh, accident can happen, especially when uh, most of the jo- uh, of the soldiers are teenagers who just finish, finished school, 18 years old, uh, boys and girls, and they are facing very complex situations. Um, sometimes matter of life and death situations and uh, mistakes can happen, uh, unfortunately. But in general, the IDF is a moral army and it always uh, telling its uh, soldiers to be patient and to, um, to be as, as cool as, as much as they can, even when the situations uh, get very complex. And I think also, Robert,
0: that you, you need to remember that a lot of times we don't, we as, as human beings, as people who live in Israel, we don't know as well all the all the facts and all the things and all the information that it needs to know. And a lot of times when I speak to people abroad, I'm telling them, listen, go and learn, go open the history books, go open the internet you now have in your, in your palm, in, in the palm of your head, you have all the information that you need, go and read as much as possible. Now, I know that it might also uh, be exposed to... to to materials or to information about Israel, which is not a lot of time uh, is correct. But I, I know that if they will make the effort and if they will really research this subject and they will learn about Jewish history and about the complexities and the challenges that Israel has to face since the beginning of the 20th century, um, about how we build a nation, how we build a country from people with um, with, with striped pajamas who came from, from ghettos and, and concentration camps and built this wonderful, country in a small piece of desert, piece of land, um, almost no water, no, almost no natural resources. And we're able to, to build this amazing, amazing country, which is, has one of the best economical uh, um, industry, of course, technological industries in the world, and is admired by all of because of its inventions and entrepreneurial spirit. So we always say, listen, Israel, Israel is not only about wars, it's not only about conflict. It's a lot about beautiful beaches and rich history of 5,000 years old, one of the oldest uh, um, cultures in, in, in history. So um, I think it's also very important to add this factor um, when you're talking about Israel. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, uh, gentlemen, Eldar, Naor, and Abby for your
2: time and uh, and for sharing your personal experiences. And uh, how can people follow
3: your, your journeys moving forward? Uh, so Robert, first of all, uh, they can follow the uh, reservists uh, on duty Instagram uh, or also the DiploAct uh, Instagram it's two uh, connected organizations or our individual uh, uh, Instagrams. Mine is uh, Abby Volko, A-B-Y V-O-L-C-O. If you guys want to share yours as well, feel free. Sure will Darm either and not or either. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for hosting us. It's uh, a real pleasure and it's wonderful work that you're doing with uh, Honest Reporting. Uh, really, really great stuff. Pleasure. Thank you so much and looking forward to following your journeys. Thank Thank you, Robert. Salon.
0: And that's today's edition of the Honest Report Podcast. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our mailing list, our podcast channel, and follow us on social media for the most up-to-date news. If you like what you've heard, please consider a donation to support our continued efforts at www.honestreporting.ca slash donate. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.